I want you to take your Bibles, your apps, whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in two separate passages like we've been doing the last few weeks. The first one is Matthew chapter 5. The second one is Luke chapter 10. Now, I know that these may be a little bit difficult to find in your Bible, so let me give you some uh, step-by-steps to help you locate Matthew and Luke. Uh, If you're in a physical Bible, simply open up to the table of contents. Uh, You're going to find that Matthew and Luke are both found in the big section called the New Testament. So in the table of contents, find the New Testament. Matthew's the first book, and Luke is the third book. So find those two and go to those pages. Now it's going to be Matthew 5 and Luke 10. So kind of keep your uh, finger in those two places. Now, if you're in an app, just pull down the list of the books of the Bible and you'll find that Matthew and Luke are around two thirds of the way down that list. So again, Matthew 5, Luke chapter 10. Now, we've been in this big section called uh, the Beatitudes. It's part of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, if you've ever heard of that. Now, the Sermon on the Mount, it's one of Jesus's biggest blocks of teaching. It spans three chapters in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Uh, And so I want to to go ahead and dive into today's reading. So turn with me to Matthew 5, starting in verse 3. Now again, this is the beginning of Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. And so uh, as I've been teaching for the last several weeks, if we want to understand what Jesus has to say in the Sermon on the Mount, we have to understand what he's teaching in the Beatitudes because the Beatitudes are the introduction, the launching point into the Sermon on the Mount. So pick up with me, Matthew 5, starting in verse 3. It says this, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so also they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, today we're going to focus on verse 7. So look with me at verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So today we're going to talk about mercy, this idea, this concept of how mercy, if we're merciful, we ourselves will receive mercy from God. Now, let me just throw it out there. Let me just start by diving right in. You and I, as followers of Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, you have received immeasurable amounts of mercy. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. Now, uh, Paul, the guy who wrote 1 Timothy, he he wrote this letter to this guy named Timothy who's a young pastor. Now, Paul is like the greatest missionary of all time. He was uh, one of the apostles of the early church. Um, He is pivotal. He's important uh, in the development of the early church and the spread of the early church. And he is a person uh, of great faith. And listen to what he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 17. 
He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So he has just said, Christ came into the world for the purpose of saving sinners. And then he goes on to say, I'm the foremost of sinners. And listen to what he says here. Verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason that in me, As the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of kings, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, Paul is unpacking this idea that despite the fact that he is the foremost of all sinners, he's recognizing that his, the amount of sin he's committed is massive. And he's unpacking this idea that as such a great sinner, Jesus is demonstrating his great love and his great mercy by forgiving him of all of his sins. You see, Jesus has poured mercy into our lives. You know, he's forgiven us of countless sins. I guarantee you, you and I have both sinned multiple times, probably today, but definitely this past week. If you were to take all of the sins that you commit or that I commit in a given lifetime, there would be no way to count all of them. There there wouldn't be enough time to sit down and count the number of times that Jesus has forgiven us. His mercy, his forgiveness is limitless. You see, he's given those who believe in him eternal life instead of eternal punishment. And that's the greatest act of mercy that we could receive. And let me just say briefly, Maybe you're listening, maybe you're watching, and maybe you've never come to a place where you've believed in Jesus. And let me just say this, Jesus loves you. I know for me, one of the uh, pivotal points in understanding what Jesus did for me was understanding just how much he loves me. And it doesn't matter what I've done wrong. It doesn't matter how many times I've messed things up or disobeyed him those things don't affect his love for me because his love is infinite. He loves you. He loves you perfectly. And he wants, through your belief in him, he wants to forgive you of your sins. And here's how he does that. Jesus loves you so much that he came to this earth, even though he's the son of God and he had a perfect existence in heaven, he came to this earth and lived the miserable lives that we live with all the temptations, with all the junk. And yet he lived a perfect, sinless life so that he could die on a cross to forgive you of your sins. And three days later, he rose from the grave, declaring victory over sin and death. Uh, And please hear me, if you've never come to a place where you've believed in Jesus, but maybe this idea of such love and such mercy Maybe, maybe that's something that has piqued your interest or maybe you want 
the love and mercy that Jesus offers. If that's you, if you wanna know more, if you've got questions, I want you to reach out to us. I want you to go down the, into the post of this video. Uh, there's a link there for, to contact us. I want you to click that link. It's gonna take you to our website, to the contact us page. And I want you there, fill out that short form and I will personally reach out to you this week. And, and I would love to answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and what it looks like to follow him. So please, uh, pause the video, click that link, and go over to our contact us page on our website and reach out to us. We would love to connect you, to, to answer questions, to help you understand what a journey with Jesus looks like. So do that right now. But I want everyone to understand that he has given you amounts of mercy that you will never be able to wrap your mind around. You'll never be able to comprehend the amount of mercy that Jesus has poured into your life. And that leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched my messages, you know that I don't like to give three or five points. I, I wanna give you one point and I want you to walk away today thinking about this week, thinking about that one point, that simple statement. And I call it my big idea, and today's big idea is this. We give mercy because he gave us mercy. Let that sink in for a moment. We go out and give other people mercy because he's giving, given us such great mercy. I mean, think about, for just a minute, think about the amount of times, the number of times that God has forgiven you from your sins just this month. It's countless, it's, it, there's no way you could count the number of times that Jesus has forgiven you and given you mercy. And because of that massive amount of mercy that you've received, we're in turn supposed to go out and give mercy to others. You see, throughout the Bible, mercy is given, it's mentioned. And one of the cool things is mercy is mentioned and connected all the time with compassion. Now, now, what's the difference though? How is mercy different from compassion? You see, mercy and com compassion are, are connected to one another. Uh, I would go further to say that you can't have one without the other. You can't have mercy without compassion and you can't have true compassion unless it's followed by mercy. Um, mercy is the resulting action of compassion. Uh, so think of it this way. Compassion is like the noun. It's the thing. You know, when, when, when I go out and I, I have compassion for someone, that is something that I feel. It's a thing inside of me. So compassion is the noun, but mercy is the resulting verb. You see, when I feel compassion for someone uh, or for a people group or, or for whatever, that noun, that compassion, that thing inside of me drives me then to go and show that person mercy. The mercy is the action. The mercy is the, the, the thing that we do as a result of the compassion that we feel. And this is beautifully illustrated by Jesus through the parable of the Good Samaritan. So I want you to take your Bibles, whatever you read on, and go to our second passage, Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now, 
Jesus in Luke chapter 10 is telling us a parable. And so while you're turning there, it's Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25. When Jesus tells a parable, a parable is a story that Jesus would tell that has kind of a surface meaning, but it has a much deeper spiritual meaning and lesson to it. And today he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. So look with me, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. It says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test saying, Jesus, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Verse 27, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, so who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, now stop there. The the phrase there that Jesus is using, half dead, uh, it it was understood that this man was literally dying. Uh, He was on the brink of death. So pick up with me now in verse 31. So there's this man laying on the road, a Jewish man laying on the road. He's almost dead. Look at what happens, verse 31. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite who was part of the uh, temple, uh, the part of the, the tribe of Judah, uh, tribe of Israel that served in the temple. Verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine to cleanse them. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Verse 35, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. What a cool parable. Now, now, let me take a minute and unpack this. There's a Jewish man. He's been traveling. He, he gets robbed and beaten. He's on the side of the road dying. And a couple of people pass by. The first one is a priest. This priest comes by, sees the man on the road dying, and he makes a point to go over to the other side of the road to avoid him and pass by. Then another man comes by, a Levite, who, again, as I mentioned earlier, this is a man who belongs to a section of Israel, a group within Israel that was specifically uh, chosen by God to serve in the temple. So these are religious people, servants in what would now be like the church. And he does the same thing the priest does. He intentionally sees the man and intentionally goes to the other side of the road and passes by him. Then... Along comes a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were a racial and an ethnic group that were hated 
by the Jews. They were actively persecuted by the Jews. The Jews hated these people. They had different beliefs. Uh, They had a mixed racial composition. They were part Jew, but also part uh, Babylonian and Assyrian. And so they, they were really not liked. They were, they were hated. As a matter of fact, when Jewish people would travel, the Samaritans were located kind of in the center of Israel. Israel's a, a long nation that runs north and south. And, and the Samaritan area was right in the dead center between the north and the southern sections of Israel. Now, when Jewish people would travel from north to south or, uh, or south to north, they would intentionally go the long way around so they would not have to go through Samaria. They hated the Samaritans that much. They avoided them intentionally and sacrificially. They would go and spend way more money to go around Samaria than go through, straight through it, which was way quicker and way cheaper. So some, this Samaritan is someone that the Jewish people hated and actively persecuted. He, this man's oppressed. This man is disliked and he's disliked by the people of whom this man dying on the road belongs to. This man dying on the road is an Israelite. He's a Jew. The very people group that persecutes this Samaritan. But it's the Samaritan that stops and helps him. You see, this Samaritan had every reason to hate this Jewish guy dying on the side of the road. He had every excuse in the book to ignore him and pass on by just like the priest and the Levite did. But he doesn't. And I wanna point out a couple of things. Look at verse 33 with me. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, look at what it says at the end of verse 33, he had what? He had compassion. You see, we're called to have compassion, and that compassion led him to the action of mercy. Look at verses 36 and 37. Jesus says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the man said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. You see, Jesus' measure here for loving our neighbor in this parable is compassion and mercy. If we're to show love to our neighbor, compassion and mercy are a integral part to that love. And there are a lot of people that are out there that you may dislike. There are a lot of people that you may disagree with, whether it be Uh, their religious views or their societal views or their political views or their personal opinions, whatever it may be. There may be people in your own church that you really dislike for one reason or another. There may be someone that you've had conflict with, that you've been fighting, that, that there's some history, some past that makes it difficult for you to have compassion and mercy on them. But hear me clearly, As a follower of Jesus, your call to compassion and mercy is non-negotiable. There is no debate. There is no question. It doesn't matter what you think about the people around you. It doesn't matter if you like or dislike that person. You are called 
to compassion and mercy with those people. If the Samaritan, a person who had been intentionally persecuted by the Jewish people, if that Samaritan could show compassion and mercy to this Jewish guy laying on the side of the road dying, then you are called in the same way to have compassion and mercy with those around you, whether you like them or dislike them. That compassion and mercy is going to demonstrate the love of Jesus to them. Uh, your l compassion and mercy for someone you dislike or someone you do like doesn't matter. The compassion and mercy that you show others will show the world around you the love of Jesus. God's designed you to receive mercy and then to in turn give mercy. And guys, let me be very clear this is a consistent teaching with many aspects of what we receive from Jesus. Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter six, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he gives the, the Lord's prayer. And then at the end, after he's given the Lord's prayer, he talks about how we're to give forgiveness to everyone, no matter what the offense, because Jesus has forgiven us of so much. You see, this is a consistent teaching about multiple things that Jesus gives us, not just mercy. We're focusing on mercy today, but you're called to forgive. You're called to show compassion. You're, show, you're called to, to show mercy, to give mercy. There's so many things that God has poured into our lives that we in turn are called to pour into others' lives. And it doesn't matter what our opinions of those people, what, those, what our opinions may be of those people, we are still commanded to show them mercy. So my questions today are this, since every person in your life needs compassion and mercy, I would say this, begin, if you, if you struggle here, or you're not sure if you're doing and living out the compassion and mercy that Jesus calls you to, uh, the first thing to do is to go to the Lord and ask him to help you have compassion for those around you, compassion for those you don't like, compassion for your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors, compassion for those who don't know Jesus. So ask the Lord to give you compassion. And then rather than reacting to people and the things that you see, hear, or read, rather re than reacting to people and those things with opposition uh, or, or this instinct that's sinfully based, this instinct uh, to react and, and, and fight back or oppose something, rather than reacting that way, why not react in compassion and mercy and show them the love of Jesus? In doing so, we can open the door to people experiencing and understanding the life-changing hope of Jesus. And so my encouragement today is this week, who needs your compassion and mercy? This week, how can you practically show someone in your life compassion and mercy? And I would take it a step further. Maybe that person that needs compassion and mercy, maybe 
they are that very person that you have opposed or you don't like or quite frankly, maybe you hate. Who is it that needs compassion and mercy and how can you show that compassion and mercy this week? Join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for today. And Lord, we pray that out of the immeasurable amount of mercy that you've shown us, we pray that in turn, we would turn around and show mercy to others. Help us to be a people of compassion that feels compassion for those in our lives, for our friends, our family, our coworkers, our our fellow church members, whoever it may be, help us to have compassion. Help us to have compassion for those who do not believe in you, who don't know you as their Lord and their Savior. And help us through that compassion to show others mercy. Help us to be a people that pours mercy into the lives of others. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to see the opportunities that you've placed in our lives to show others the mercy that you've called us to. As Matthew 5, 7 says, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We thank you, Lord, and we lift all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.